because it was illegal. Instead, what they did was move their phone down here where the police couldn't see it. And now they're having to look down here at it, and so they wreck more. You know what that proves to me? That proves to me you can't reform man. You tell him he can't text and drive, he just sneaks and does it. Because <laughs> you can't reform him. You can't make man do good. But let me maybe get an amen or two right here. What, what man can't do through education, what man can't do through programs, and what man can't do through ideas, Jesus does it at all. Amen. He makes a new creature out of those that he births into the family of God. And so you got to be converted first. Oh, that has to be a conversion. You're wasting your time trying to transform yourself until you have been converted. Now, we also look where the Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, we looked at the, the uh, consecration, how that you present your body, a living sacrifice. We dealt with all that last week. Now we're going to get into verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, Paul says. So there's a negative side, and there's a positive side. The negative is, be not be not conformed to this world. The positive side is being transformed. So I'll preach a little while this morning on conformity versus transformation. And I'm wanting, I'm wanting to God to do a big work in this place today. Let's pray and ask for his help. Lord, we need you. And God, we can't have church unless you show up. It, I'd, I'd waste my time, Lord, trying to preach this morning without your help. So I pray that you'd help us. And Lord, from the platform into the sound booth, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. God, go up and down these aisles and through these pews. Talk to our hearts, Lord. Help us to realize what it is that you'd have for us to do. Bless us now as only you can. Transform us in this service. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me talk to you about conformity. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. That word world as it is used there, it means the system. How many of you would agree with me this morning? The world has a system. And there's pressure on all of us to conform, but hear what Paul says is don't conform to the world system. Amen. Don't be like the world. Don't act like the world. The word conform, get this, it means to put on the form, fashion, or appearance of another. Conform means that the world, Brother Neil, says this is how we look, this is how we talk, this is how we act, and this is how everybody else is going to look, act, and talk. And that is conformity. The one reason that the world hates Bible-believing churches is because we refuse to conform. Wow. 
We look at the world system and say we're not going to talk like you. We're not going to walk like you. We're not going to dress like you. We're not going to act like you. We're not going to listen to the things you listen to and say the things you say. We're going to be different. We're going to be holy. We're going to live for our Savior. And the world hates Bible believers because we refuse to conform. The only thing the world wants out of the church is conformity. Now, there's two things that play into conformity, and that is pressure, pressure, and perimeters. In order to illustrate this, I've got a, I've got a very high-tech way of doing it. You're going to be amazed. Anybody know what that is? It's a Play-Doh press. The Play-Doh press. Here's how the world does. The world puts pressures on us to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. And can I say this? These first two rows here, these teenagers, they're under higher pressure probably than anybody else in this building. So it's all caught about pressures and parameters. So the world wants to pressure us and then they lay out a certain parameter. This, this circle is our parameter. And so what they want to do is they want to squeeze out the shape that they decide things ought to be. And then once they get that shape squeezed out, what they'll do see is they take, and they just, it's just cookie cutter. Everybody looks the same. Everybody believes the same. Everybody acts the same, does the same thing. And so you can just swap it off anywhere. And looky there, a, a little conformity. Here's another little piece of conformity. Here's another little piece of conformity. Here's another little piece of conformity. All of them look alike. That's what the world wants. Just get in our press. Just allow us to, just allow us to make out of you what we want to make out of you. And parents, listen to me. If you're not willing to allow your children to conform, let me tell you what happens. They get to school, and the school says, get in our press. Get in our press, and we're, gonna just, we're just going to pressure you. And so there at school, they start pressing it out of them. And their friends, they get together with their friends, and their friends pressure. And so there's just more pressure and more pressure, and they just want everything to look the same. That's the desire of the world. So they set a certain amount of parameters, and then they begin to pressure us. And you know there's a few places we get pressured. One is our flesh. You see, there's an enemy inside of me. Now, everybody just be real honest right here. When, when our spirit wants to do good, what does the flesh say? Oh, no. Our, our spirit, the, uh, the spiritual man, Brother Neil, he wants to dress right and act right and talk right and live right. But our flesh, you see, I've got an enemy on the inside of me. But none of the rest of you have an enemy. I've got an enemy on the inside of me that pressures me to conform. Uh, that, that enemy, that flesh, it wants to be popular. Uh, it wants to be powerful. Uh, it wants to be prosperous. Uh, and so that flesh says, no, uh, uh, you can't act like that and be popular. You can't be a Christian and be popular. And so it starts to pressure me. Uh, that flesh says, you can't act that way and have prosperity. That's going to cost you money. Uh, and so the flesh starts to pressure me. Me. And then the flesh says, you can't act that way and get a 
ahead in life. And so it starts to pressure me. And so my own flesh applies pressure. And it says get in line. It says act like the world. It says listen to what they're listening to. My own flesh. But if that wasn't enough, friends. Friends begin to apply the pressure. Now I want you kids to, I want you teenagers particularly, but this isn't just a, this isn't just the kids, this is for everybody, because everybody gets pressured to a certain parameter. They call it societal norms. They say, get in our press, we're going to pressure you into believing what we believe. And so they start to squirt it out. They say, we're going to believe that what God calls an abomination is an alternate lifestyle and you're just going to agree with that. If you're in our press, you're going to agree with that and if you don't agree with that, we're just going to pressure you more until we, until we get you the way we want you. And they tell these teenagers and, and, and the flesh says, well, we, your flesh says we want to be popular, adults too. We want to be popular and so we're going along with what, you know one of the most dangerous things, parents, about teaching your kids to be popular is that what it takes to be popular is not popular with God anymore. And so they start cutting these off and they say, you know, just believe this, do this. It's the only way to fit in. It's the only way to be popular is we've got to conform you, we've got to pressure you. So they they set societal norms and standards. Can I say this? What society calls normal is abnormal. As a matter of fact, what this world is trying to do is normalize the abnormal so that the abnormal seems normal. And we live in this society where they say, if you want to be accepted, you got to believe what we believe. you got to dance to the music we play. you got to wear the clothes we tell you to. We bombard you on media. We show it to you on TV. We pump it in you on social media. We've got your attention every second of every hour of every day, and we're pressuring you. We're setting the parameters. And if you dare say, no, that's not the way I'm going, oh, buddy, you better hang on because we're going to turn the pressure up. Your friends are going to laugh at you. They're going to call you names. Society's going to make fun of you if you don't get in our mold. And that is what the world wants to do is put everybody in here in a mold of conformity. But here's what Paul said. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Did you know the world's at enmity with God? The world is at enmity with God. The the world hates God. And so every little bit they can squeeze out through pressure and parameters and conformity, what they're making is little God-haters. And if one of these little ones comes out and happens not to hate God, this one jumps up and says, oh, I love Jesus, then they just recycle it put it back in the mold and pressure it a little more until they can squirt one out that says, you know what, I doubt whether or not the scriptures is real. I doubt whether or not God is real. I don't believe I can believe the preacher. And once that, once that kind of wording comes out of their mouth, they say, ha ha, that's, we got it like it was. Now some teenagers believe, they stand up and say, I question God. I don't know if I believe God. I, I'm an atheist or whatever. They think that makes them a rebel. They think they really stick out like that. But let me tell 
tell you something. Listen to me, adults and teenagers. Being a rebel is not saying you hate God. The whole world hates God. Being a rebel is saying I love Jesus. Being a rebel is saying I'm going to serve the Lord. That's different. You see, you have you have fallen into the oldest trick of mankind, and that is to pressure you and to believe it what they want you to believe and putting out some cookie cutters. That's conformity. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed. Did you know we all have a desire to be popular? You say, you say, oh, preacher, not me. I don't care anything about being popular. But if you're going, if I put you with the right crowd, you won't be popular. For instance, I would say, you know, these, I don't care whether or not I'm liked at the high school. I don't. But I used to. See, it's all the crowd that you run with. Now I would like to be liked in the gun crowd because that's the crowd I that's the crowd I run with, right? So when I get out on the range, I won't be popular. I won't walk out that. I want. I'm be honest. I won't be popular with the preacher crowd. When I see the preacher brethren, I want them to say, "Hey, brother, good to see." You. I want, as you see, there's a desire in us to be popular. The problem with that is, is when we deviate from the Word of God to conform to the world standard in order to be popular. There's a man got on an airplane one day. He sat down next to this beautiful woman. He noticed she wasn't married. He said to her, what kind of man are you attracted to? They're taxing out the runway. He says, what kind of man are you attracted to? She said, well, she said, I've always loved a Native American. She said something about them, their dark skin, their heritage. I, I just always have loved a, a Native American. They continue to text, and she said, but you know, at the same time, I really like a man that's got his finances together. And I've noticed a lot of Jewish men over the years, they have a lot of their finances together. And boy, that's, that's always attracted me to Jewish men. But she said, down deep inside, I just want an old cowboy, you know, just rough and riding an old pickup truck. They get up in the air. She looks over at him and says, by the way, what's your name? He says, well, my name is Sitting Bull Goldstein, but most of my friends just call me Tex. <laughs> Sitting Bull Goldstein, but most of my friends just call me Tex. You see, he had a desire to conform. He wanted to find out what she liked, and then she de he decided, I'll just be whatever it is she likes. And that's the devil. That's the way the devil works. He wants you to look at what this world likes. And then for you just to decide to be whatever it is that the world likes. That is conformity. And Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed. Come on, Rachel. Be you transformed. Now I got a treat for y'all. Jason loves when I preach with props. And I told him yesterday, I said, you've got to be at church in the morning because I'm using the biggest prop I've ever used. But now that may not be true because I did preach with a casket one time. <laughs> so uh, the casket may be bigger. We're gonna, I'm going to show you the difference between conformity pressure and parameters and transformity, okay? We're going to see what God does now. The world conforms by pressure. It puts us under pressure and it requires a parameter 
And so the world says, we're going to make some cookie cutters. The world says, we're going to make you look just the way we want you to look. Talk just the way we want you to talk. Act just the way we want you to act. Live just the way that we want you to live. And that is conformity. But we had Rachel this morning bring a wheel in and some clay. Did you know that in Jeremiah chapter number 18, God took Jeremiah down to the potter's house. And he said, there's a work on the wheel, Jeremiah. He said, this is how I will work with Israel. Can I say to you this morning that everybody in here is a lump of clay and he don't want us to be conformed. He don't want pressure just to put out a bunch of cookie cutters, but instead what he wants is some people that will get in the master's hand and be transformed on the wheel and changed into something else. Now hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. About to get ahead of me. On the wheel right now is a lump of clay. Not a whole lot different than the Play-Doh I squirted out. It's on that wheel and inside of Rachel's mind right now, the first thing I want to preach on this morning is the conception of the work. Inside her mind is what she's going to make. She asked me beforehand, we were talking about this yesterday, Brian, she said, what do you want me to make? I said, I don't want to know cup, vase, mug, bowl, I don't care. Because I just want it in your mind what you're going to make out of that piece of clay. Now on the the wheel is that clay. When she put it on the wheel, the clay didn't say, hey, I'd like to be a bowl. It didn't say, hey, I'd I'd like to be a mug. But inside the potter's mind, There's a plan for what that piece of clay is going to be. Now listen to me. There's a lot of you this morning, you've got plans for your life. You think you know what it is you want to do. And we all know what we want to do. But can I say that somewhere yonder in heaven, there is a grand potter. And he's got the right idea. He's got the right conception. He knows what you ought to be. He knows how you ought to live. He knows what he wants to make out of you. He's already conceived it in his mind. And what we need to do is get on the wheel today and say, Oh God of heaven, make out of us what you want us to be. That's what we want to be. In his mind, he knows what he wants out of you. Have you ever just stopped and thought about what the will of God... See, this whole thing I'm preaching on, on transformation, we're going to get there. It's that we may prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God, that acceptable perfect will of God. God has a will for your life In his mind, in his heart, he knows what he wants to make out of you. Now the first thing she did, she already did it. First thing that she did on that wheel was she centered it. Don't you listen to me now? She centered it. Now that wheel, it spins around like this. If she put that clay on the edge of the wheel, there's no way to make anything there. It just flops around. In order to make something, Brother Allen, she first must center the work. So there is a conception that is in her mind. She knows what she's going to make, but then there is a centering. She has to get that. She has to get that clay on the center of the wheel, so that it don't wobble. It's got to be perfectly centered in order to get made what needs to be made out of it. Now listen to me. For some of y'all, your problem is you only live on the edge of the wheel. 
edge living. You don't want to be in the center. You want to be on the edge. You'd rather be out there in the edge. Out there in the edge is where you want to be. You have that edge living mentality. But what I'm going to tell you is that if you want something made out of your life, see where she's got it? Right on the dead center of the wheel. If you want something made out of your life, if you want God to transform you today, the very first thing that you've got to do is decide, I want to be right in the center. I want to get in that altar and tell God I'm willing to get rid of what else, he, whatever it is he don't like in my life. I'm willing to tell God, I'm ready to jerk it all. I don't want to be on the edge. I don't want to barely get by. I don't want to just barely make it. I want to be in the very smack dab center of where God wants me to be. That's where I want to be. See, a lot of you living in, living on the edge. Just live on the edge. As long as you live on the edge of the wheel, God will never make anything out of it. You hearing me? As long as you live on the edge of the wheel, God will never make anything out of you. There's the centering of the clay. There's some of you. I'm going to give an altar call here in a minute. And there's some of you ought to get in this altar and say, Lord, I want you to center me. I don't want to be out there on the edge. People say, why ain't God doing anything in my life? Listen to me just a minute. Will you listen to me? Why ain't God doing anything in my life? He can't because of the music you listen to. It's got you pushed out to the edge. Why ain't God doing something in my life? He can't because of the people you run with. It's got you pushed out to the edge. Why ain't God doing something in my life? He can't because of the TV shows you watch. It's got you pushed out to the edge. Why ain't God doing something in my life? He can't because of the gossip you tell. It's got you pushed out to the edge. The lies you tell, pushed out to the edge. The things you look at on the internet, pushed out to the edge. It goes on and on and on and on. We have edge livers that want God to do something. And He can't work as long as you're on the edge. So she centers it. So she, there's the conception of the work. There's the, there's the centering of the work. But then there's the crafting of the work. Go ahead, make something. Right, well, right there, can you whoa? Well, the very first, I want to point out just a couple things right there. Number one, as long as she's working, her hands are touching. That makes me want to run and shout. When he's working on you, sometimes it's hard. But you can take you can take solace in knowing that working on me means he's touching me. Something else you'll notice, I poured that water in there for, before we got started. She never touches the clay with dry hands. Always wet hands. Always wet hands. And you know, that's a picture of the Word and a picture of the Spirit. God will always touch us by His Word and touch us by His Spirit. And I want you to notice the very first thing she did, she ran them thumbs down in there and made that hole. Before she could do anything, she had to make a place on the inside to work. That'll hit you just right in a minute and you'll feel like running a lap. She had to make a place on the inside to work. Amen. Listen to me this morning, church. Listen to me. 
God does work on the inside. A.W. Tozer said it's a truth that God will never use a man until he first breaks a man. You see, there has to be a way for him to work on the inside. Here in a minute when she goes to crafting, it's that inside hand that applies the pressure. It's that inside hand that does the work. I'm here to tell you, there's something on the inside of me this morning making a difference. And there has to be a place for the inside hand to work. That's how God transforms us. I'm going to say something right here and then I'm going to want to make something. Sometimes I'm afraid we adopt the world's way of thinking. For instance, this youth group, I'm proud of these youth. These youth. We'll try to get them in line, try to get them to all look this like. Really what we're doing is trying to get them to conform. But what I want for these kids is transformation. In order for that to happen, God, it doesn't matter. They can dress like me, holler amen like me, run and shout like me. None of that will do them any good until God does a work inside their lives. The same is true with you. Why is it when I preach on young people, y'all go, oh, 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 yeah, amen, like it don't apply to you. It applies to everybody in this room. There's got to be an inside hand. I wonder if there's any of you that have ever really thought about getting in the center and then saying, God, there's a place in my heart and I would love for you to work in it. I've got some bitterness in there, Lord. Would you just ease that to the side? i got hurt feelings. Would you ease those over? I've got anger. Would you ease that out of the way? All their sin in there, Lord, ease that out of the way. I just want you to have a place to work inside me. Watch your craft. Now, make something. What you're seeing is a lot like what Jeremiah saw. Behold, the potter worked to work on the wheel. Now, can I tell you something about that? She'll finish up. I'm going to say just a word. That's not as easy as it looks. I'd watched her for uh, a lot. I thought to myself, I can do that. 
And so I, I put that clay down on there and I did everything. I mean, she's standing over me helping me and you talk about a mess. I swung it in. Here's what I'm trying to say to you right there is this. It makes all the difference in the world when the master gets his hands involved in our lives. Now, she's made a a beautiful pot there. There's a firing process. I could preach on all that. There's so much of that to be seen, but that's I'm really not here to preach on the potter and the clay. I, I'm, I'm preaching on transformation. Do you see the difference between conformity and transformation? Conformity is a mold and pressure and squirting out a bunch of the same things. Paul said, avoid that, church. Be not conformed to this world. Transformation is taking an old lump of clay, centering on the wheel, and allowing the master to put his hands on you. And he'll make some vessels that are mugs and some that are pots and, and some that are bowls. Not everybody can be the same thing. It's different depending on it's different depending on what it is that your God's got for you. But what's important, Brother Neil, is that we get in the center of the wheel and allow the master to put his hands on us. Then he starts transforming. I don't know what all is here. See, I can't see it. I don't know what preachers are out here still yet, deacons, Sunday school teachers, soul winners extraordinaire. I don't know, Sister Karen, what's out here in the congregation. I see lots of potential, but only God can look and go, all right, there's a preacher. Here's a deacon. Here's a future Sunday school teacher. If they'll just get on the wheel, I know what I would like to make out of them. I know what I'd like to do with them. If they'll just get on the wheel and let me get a spot on the inside and start forming and making, the first thing you know, I'm going to bring a piece off the wheel and everybody's going to stand around and go, wow. Now I want you to consider something. I'm getting ready to give an altar call. This is a strange message. I understand that. I knew it would be when I started. I want you to consider something. Come, come here, Gabriel. Pick that mug up, Mom made her. Try not to flop it around too much. It's wet, wet. There's still a lot of work to be done to that. There's firings and glazings and all kinds of things still yet to be done to that. But I want to ask anybody with any kind of sense in here this, this morning a question. Which would you rather have? Which would be more valuable to you at this, at this early stage of this process? Which is the most valuable? These things that were pressed out of a mold and cut? Would anybody value this as much as that? And yet this is what the world says you need to strive to be. The world says, be this. This is popular. This is powerful. This is prosperous. Be this, everybody. Be this. But by being this, you completely cheapen who you are. Because all you do is get into a mold and get squirted out just like everybody else. 
but those that have spent time on the master's wheel. Anybody that considers it, Karen, knows that it's more valuable than this mess. The dearest people that I've ever had in my life, the people that I looked up to and respected most, were not cookie-cutter conformist, but masterpieces from the wheel. I ask you this question. What are you doing with your life? Are you impacted? When you die... Will anybody even know you lived? Have you ever thought about that? When you die, will anybody even know you lived? Will anybody, anybody, 10, 20, 30 years after you die, go, you know what? They made such an impact on my life. They won't if this is all you ever do with it. You'll just die like everybody else. You'll just be like everybody else. But if you'll get on the master's wheel, when you're gone, they'll say, you know what, that was, that was a master's work. They made an impact on my life. They changed me. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. I wonder if there wouldn't be a few in here to say, you know what, preacher, I'm not satisfied just being what the world wants me to be. I'm sick of the world. I'm sick of what the world wants. I'm not satisfied just being what the world wants me to be. I want to climb up on that wheel and see what God could make out of me. Maybe just climb up in this altar and climb up on the wheel and say, God, I've got a place in my heart right here, and if you'd put your hand in there and go to making something, I'll try not to fight against you. And I'll just, I'll, I'll just let you transform me into something else. Something you're proud of. Something he can do something with. Let me mention this. I'll be done. My house probably has more mugs than any other house. You know why? Because the things Rachel's not satisfied with, she brings to the house. She don't put out on the shelf. I'll give you one last thought right here. Paul said there is a sin unto death. John said there is a sin unto death. If you go long enough and the potter can't get you where he wants you, he'll just bring you to the house. All the more reason to get on the wheel. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, would you help us in this place today? God, Christians, whether they be young or old or middle-aged, would you help them to find their place around the altar this morning and ask, Lord, that you would make something out of their lives? God, an impact maker, a difference maker. Lord, would you transform them today? God, I pray, Lord, that you do work, Lord, in this place like only you can. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you, honor and glorify you for all that you do. Because we love you today. It's in Jesus' name we make our prayer. There's folks gathering around the altar. People that are saying, I'm not satisfied with being like the world. I'm not satisfied with doing what they say. I'm not satisfied with being pressured. I'm not satisfied with being dismayed just like another conformity. But I rather would like to be transformed. I'd like to be renewed. I wonder if there'd be some others. Preacher, this morning I want to come.
and say, here I am, Lord, put me on the wheel. Make a place inside my heart. Make a place inside my life where I could be different. I want to be different. Allow the Lord to, make, to work and to do, his, to do His work on you today. Preacher, I'd like to volunteer myself for the Lord's work. I'm coming forward. Getting on the altar. Climbing up on the wheel. Said, I don't know what you want me to be, Lord, but I'm a candidate. I'm a candidate for transformation. I want to be made new. I want to be made new. Father, Lord, oh, we thank you for working in hearts. Would you help us, Lord, to always remember this day and what the touch of the Master's hand can do? Help us, Lord, not to conform to the things of the world, but to transform. Help us, Lord, to allow the Master to do work on the inside. Help us, Lord, to be different, meet for the Master's use a vessel that could be used of Him. Bless us and help us and touch us now as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You stay till you get done. Stay till you get done. Don't get in a hurry. What we need is transformed. You know what I want for this church as its pastor? I want God to make out of it what he wants. And that requires each one of us to be transformed. Boy, I believe God's doing some works in some hearts. Anybody got anything before we dismiss?